0: manipulator, the man with the gun in his hand, the puppeteer. He was all of these, and more. Weeks before that October 28, 1999 morning, she drove the hour south from the Catskills, down into Pleasant Valley, and on to Poughkeepsie, then into Hyde Park, where he had lived all his life. His wife wasn't home when she arrived. She never was. Come in, he said, answering the door. Come, I want to show you something. He had a cocky smile on his face. He was up to something. She knew it. Pulling into the driveway moments before, she had glanced over at the new garage out in back of his house, nearly five hundred thousand dollars worth of metal, wood, concrete, and aluminum. Where'd he get the money for that? Moreover, she knew the inside of that garage as if it were her own home. She had been in there with him and her and others. She later said she hated herself for doing it, but then he had that kind of control over people. He had always made her do things she didn't want to do, and she did them for him. It was all for him, or so she said. Walking into his house, she looked toward the dining room table, where he had a collection of photographs in a scattered pile, all spread out so she could see each one clearly, he encouraged her to take a closer look, saying, Go ahead, then pointing to one in particular. You see that one? At first she was confused. Then, horrified, she later said, My mom, my son, my sisters, my stepchildren, my in-laws, my husband, everybody that was close to me. These were pictures that captured each one of these people in a setting where they were by themselves in a lonely place. Explaining further, she said there was a photograph of her aunt, for example, walking her dog, just a casual stroll around the Catskill neighborhood where she lived with her husband. It was secluded and woodsy, where gunshots are a common occurrence. Someone had snapped an image of her aunt from afar, as if the photographer was conducting surveillance. She picked it up off the table and pulled it closer. She couldn't believe it. It would be a real shame, he said, as she lifted her glasses off the bridge of her nose to get a clearer view, staring intensely at the photo. If there were a hit-and-run accident, that lady could get badly hurt. She couldn't believe what he was implying. He had said it with that low monotone, a clever little caveat implicit in the nuance of his voice she knew all too well. He didn't need to make a direct threat, no doubt something he had perfected from his years of bossing people around as the water superintendent in nearby Poughkeepsie. He loved that. The control, to be able to tell people what to do, It made him feel like he was somebody. Being short in stature, many later said he had that dreaded little people's chip on his shoulder, a Napoleon complex. Today, though, standing in his kitchen with those photos spread across the table as she stood next to him and trembled, he was larger than life, ten feet tall. She winced. Are you serious? In addition to members of your family staying healthy, he added, I'll exonerate that debt you owe me. The photograph of her son hurt more than any of them. Her son was standing on the dock of the building where he worked, smoking a cigarette, staring off into the distance. Man, how she loved that kid, her only child. To put it into context, she later said, This building is out in the middle of nowhere. He watched as she stared at that photo. He let her think about it some. Then he said, It'd sure be a shame if there was a drive-by shooting and your son was hit. Out there, nobody would ever know. The noise of all those machines inside the building. He sort of laughed. Standing, thinking about the photographs and his threats, She went through their life together. She remembered that his first wife had been terrified of him. During the divorce proceedings, he had hired someone to run her off the road. Then, apparently, she later heard, he hired a dump truck driver to swerve into her lane and hit her.